from the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop two Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your host, Ryan Trimble, joined once again by the illustrious, hardworking, one of the best guys around. He, of course, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Hey, Ryan Trimble. What's going on, man? Well, quite a bit, sir. Um, quite a bit. So much, in fact, that we have uh, not put out an episode in quite some time. But I'm glad we're back in the saddle here. Uh, but we have been playing playing some new greatest hits for Allen Media. We have been busy, sir. We've been busy. We've, we've had corporate clients. We've had nonprofit clients. We've had everything in between. Um, we've worked on civic issues like... Um, there has not been a a moment when we weren't doing something. Even right before this, we were having a a powwow about a, a new potential client. So I, I'm I'm grateful. I'm not complaining at all. I know um, since we last talked to everyone, we've we've had some some huge news. Yeah, well, I, I know Mrs. Williams is not. Uh, it, it's just probably telling you to keep going, sign up some more clients, keep keep the funds rolling. Um, you got to keep you got to keep it moving man always got to be moving forward that, that's right so yeah no we've had a really really fun kickoff to 2023 um started off right off the bat with uh universal studios we've helped uh universal parks and resorts on the recent announcement that they're coming to frisco they're going to build a uh a, a park in frisco that's about a quarter the size of uh orlando um the, the footprint's about a quarter of the size of the Orlando Park. It's going to be a you know fully immersive five lands uh, kind of experience. It's going to be for smaller kiddos, three to ten is kind of the target demographic there. So, looking forward to them. You are squarely in the sites. You are squarely in the demo for that. It, yes, our kiddos are going to be right when they open. Man, we are going to be in the thick of it. Um, so I can't wait for. That to get, you know, shovels to be turning and, uh, you know, Shrek land to be built and Trolls land and you name it, Puss in Boots. Uh, they've, they've really got a great catalog of, of characters now, Sean. So uh, super fun. Yeah, it was, it was really cool being there for that announcement. You know, also we've been working with um, some of our partners for the grand opening, uh, reopening of the Juanita Jay Craft Civil Rights House. Uh, we've been doing some work with the city of Dallas, uh, friends of Juanita Craft Civil Rights House, and the Junior League of Dallas. Um, and it's been really exciting, you know, having the opportunity to do that. That'll be coming up in May. So um, that's really cool. And, uh, you know, just our, our civic projects, we've talked a lot about permitting. We've had a, a client that will be working on the, the building permitting software for the city of Dallas. That's really exciting. Something we worked on together for a while. So um, I that's am, right. Since we are, are not recording this in the same room today, I am virtually patting you on the back today. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, th- this doesn't sound super uh, exciting, you know, when you say it like that. But I'll tell you what, it's been a front page issue here in Dallas, and something that uh, you know, putting this software s- solution into place is going to really. Um, move the needle, help permitting get moving again and, and get that department rolling. So, um, you know, I think 
props to all parties involved for getting the deal across the goal line and uh, looking forward to that solution being implemented. And a pat right back to you, sir. Well, thank you. And I guess I don't think that we've – is this our first show recording this year? Uh, sadly, yes. Sorry <laughs> to our listeners. Uh, Whoever's uh, left. I, know, I think we're probably starting back over with our, our moms. So yeah, shout right. out to them because I, I'm assuming we're going to start there and have to rebuild our audience back from two. That's all right. That's all right. And your mother who – has a birthday two days before my mother. So yeah, that is some of the important information we were learning in our pre-show meeting today. (laughs) Right. Right. So happy birthday to Linda Williams and Jill Trimble. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks Thanks for listening. And, and since it's, you know, since it's the first show of the year, I probably should congratulate Judge Dominique Torres Williams, who was, <laughs> was elected to the uh, Dallas County Criminal Court Number Four. Another yes, longtime listener of Deconstructing Dallas. I would think after this uh, break, though, we'll probably also have to win her back. Um, <laughs> in, her back indeed, in the fold so as well. We we are uh, ones, you know, ones and tens of listeners at a time here. <laughs> you know. I'll have to let my neighbor, Mike Rossi, know. That guy, you know, Lauren did ask the other day. She's like, what the heck happened to your podcast, dude? So, um, honey, if you're listening, thanks. And would appreciate a follow. Well, big congrats to Judge Torres Williams. And big congrats to us, Sean, for kicking off another year of podcasting. Congrats to us. (laughs) It's been a... It's been a wild ride that was has been on pause for a little bit, so uh, it's good Just to a, get back on let's track. Let's call it a sabbatical. Let's call it. We've been on sabbatical, Sean. Back Trying on to curate track. So, some more content. So, speaking of which, speaking of content, we have got an exciting guest, someone that we've had on our radar for well over a year, and thanks to our colleague, the Bayou Bengal herself, Samaji Best, we have um, a guest from the journalism slash media world. That, that's right, Sean. And uh, our, our friend and colleague, Samaji Best, did her best to work in. I think she would have put eight LSU questions if, if she could have, but uh, I think we got to her. She, she controlled herself, and so there's a few questions about the, uh, the Lady Bayou Bengals run to the women's NCAA championship in here, but um, – Get excited. I'm excited to welcome Catrice Hardy, the executive editor of the Dallas Morning News, to the show today, Sean. Yeah, Catrice has been here um, going on a couple of years now, and it was really exciting uh, for her to bring her um, her talents and experience, her Pulitzer winning experience here to Dallas, to our city and our city's newspaper. And so I'm really excited to ask her Uh, a whole host of questions, but I guess we will have to ask a couple of obligatory LSU questions based on um, the Tigers and their exploits here in Dallas winning that natty. That's right. Well, let's do just that. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back with Catrice Hardy after this.
back. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams with Ryan Trimble. We are so, so honored to have on our podcast today the executive editor of the Dallas Morning News, uh, also an alum of the reigning women's college basketball champion LSU Tigers. We have Catrice Hardy with us today. Catrice, welcome to Deconstructing Dallas. Thank you. So glad to be here with you guys and still celebrating that win. We can we can understand that and and and, and we celebrate with you. Um, and we we wanted to let our audience get to know you. Um, you're, you're getting settled here, but still, to some, you may be new. So, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, You've already mentioned I'm a proud LSU alum um, and have been in Texas now uh, close, getting getting close to two years, not quite. Um, Spent a lot of time um, in uh, across the industry, just working for great news institutions, just like the Dallas Morning News. So started my career at the Virginian Pilot as an intern, um, left there as a managing editor and then went on to work for USA Today Network, where I was the executive editor of the Greenville News. I also was a regional editor overseeing a bunch of papers throughout the South and then went on to be the executive editor of the Indy Star. And I was a Midwest um, regional editor there before coming to Dallas. Yeah, that's exciting. So you come to Dallas September 2021, mid-pandemic. How has the transition been? What's the newsroom like? Tell, Tell me about all the things going on in the past 18 months, 16 months, something like that. Absolutely. You're you're right on the head almost. Um, so yeah, I will yes, it was, you know, initially walking into a, a, a large newsroom with so many resources was exciting, but I didn't see anybody because nobody was here during the pandemic. Um, so now we're back in the office. Um, and what I'll say is I feel like really, really good about, you know, the progress we're making on just doing a great job covering the community. So we promoted some folks, we've welcomed some new folks, we've created some new positions, um, including, for instance, a new development reporter position because Dallas is hot, DFW is hot, and everybody's moving here. Um, And that's been pretty exciting for us. Um, In time, we'd also like to add a transportation reporter. And actually, um, in a couple of months, we're going to have a new faith reporter. So we're in a really exciting time here. And you you mentioned some of the places you were before. Uh, You're a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Uh, You know, I wanted to know what your plans are for the Dallas Morning News. What do you see uh, here and, and how does it compare to some of the other places you've been? So I'll, the biggest comparison really is our resources that we are not a part of a, you know, a hedge fund owned company. Um, we are owned by, you know, a family that really believes in the mission of public service of what a local institution is supposed to do. And you know, that really is highlighting what's positive and 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 making sure that we're highlighting also you know our our opportunities for for improvement so that we have a better stronger community um, and so that's really exciting. I think that's the big difference. Um, you know, we're we're a one-off, which means you know we get to decide things, we get to test things, um, all with the with the opportunity of just really building strong relationships in the community. Um, I think we're also kind of at it's a point in time where a lot of people don't trust the media, and so by being a part of a kind of a local one-off news institution with so much so many ties to the to the community and its ownership, I think what's important for us is that we get to really work on who we are and explaining what we do and why we do it. Yeah, that's, I really like to hear that, Catrice. And and I was going to ask you too, you're the first um, black female to lead the Dallas Morning News. 
Um, Tell me about, you know, how that influences your leadership style. Obviously, Dallas has, um, I'll put it lightly, you know, we've faced our challenges when it comes to uh, racial issues. But I think this is such an exciting, uh, uh, you know, time for you to take the reins at the morning news. Tell us about your leadership style and what your vision uh, for the city's newspaper should be. Absolutely. Um, so, yes, it's a it's a great opportunity, you know, honestly, for, for me um, to be here and um, I'll say, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I'm the first. Um, I checked two first boxes, but also um, I'll say that's been the case for a number of news institutions that I've I've worked at. And also, it's also when I got this position, it was 2021. So you kind of think this is a little late for this to be happening. Um, but what I'll say is Dallas has joined a number of news institutions, including one, you know, if you want to say down the street several hours away in Houston, where now we have the first woman and the first um, person of color leading the news organization. Um, And so, you know, my leadership style is this. It's really to come in and get to know the community to really hope hopefully like be far more transparent about what we do. And so one of the ways that I've decided to do that is by having, um, you know, a newsletter that runs several, t- a couple times a month that really opens up who we are. And so in that, I, I talk to subscribers about, you know, here's why we did that story. Here's who we talk to. Um, here's what the goals are for this whole team. You know, we have a new public safety team that we didn't have before I arrived. And the whole vein of that was we can cover crime, but really what you want to know is how safe is my community. And so it's how you put a spin on what we cover so that you we get back to the mission of why we're here. It's not just to write about a lot of crime. It's really, again, what are we trying to accomplish here? And so the newsletter does that. I have a Q&A with different staff members every, um, every time I write one. So you get to know some interesting facts about the a photographer that you may have met or you always wanted to meet or an editor who's here. Oftentimes people don't even know what we do. So we kind of dive into here's what these titles mean. And then I end the newsletter with some stories we've done that week that I think are a good mix of all of the works that we do. Um, and so my goal really, and I'll, I've been saying this um, to the staff and to others, we want to be the best news institution in this country. We have the footprint. I mean, we have a, a fourth or fifth, depending on which ranking you look at, largest metropolitan area in the country. We have a ton of diversity. We have a ton of development. Uh, we are Texas. I mean, yeah. you know, now that I've been living here for a while, I mean, you know, nothing gets bigger and better than Texas. Um, and so being able to put, you know, to, for us, being able to showcase that you get the best local coverage of anywhere in the country, of any community here. And that's our goal. And again, it really goes back to accountability journalism. How do we make our community better? And how do we also highlight what's special here? You said you communicate with the community a lot. What what are they saying back to you after you tell them you're going to speak your piece? Absolutely. Lots of, so it depends on who I'm speaking to, right? Um, and so depending on if, I, if I'm at a Lions Club, which um, not that long ago, I was over talking to the Oak Cliff Lions Club. Um, I happen to go and speak to ter- churches or through this newsletter. I think people are very forthcoming with their ideas and their thoughts. I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. I got an email this week about a story we wrote in sports and, it, and the language in the story was a coach was ranting about it. Uh, issue. And this person raised a really good question. He's like, well, tell me why you use the word rant. Is that really the appropriate uh, word to describe what he was stating? And it got me thinking, you know, that's a really good point. And so having those kind of op- that open dialogue with the community often helps us think, should we be using that word? And if we should use the word, because there's a loaded connotation to that word now, I think, than when maybe I used it when I was a reporter um, over a decade or two ago. And so the question is like, so when should we use that word or should we never use that word? 
We are uh, so thankful to have Catrice Hardy, executive editor of Dallas Morning News with us. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about those Bayou Bengals, also talk about the future. So uh, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble will be right back right after this. Welcome back to Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, we've got the, well, maybe one of the biggest Bayou Bengal fans on with us, Chief Course Catrice Hardy, executive editor of the Dallas Morning News. Um, I can't tell if she's wearing purple, all her purple and gold maybe at the dry cleaners as uh, she was telling us off air that she wore them all last week. Um, but Catrice, you got your Lady Bayou Bengals, Lady Tigers in Dallas for the championship game. Tell us about the journey you got. You got to go back to Greenville. You got to um, celebrate all the way. Tell us about the the celebration. Absolutely. So um, I will say that um, I was just so proud of the team. I didn't know a whole lot about Kim Mulkey, for instance. So I'll bring it back to Texas and Baylor um, before um, uh, she joined LSU. But it was just a wonderful opportunity to see them in person, to see the energy. I will say that just I used to play um, basketball in middle school and high school. I was not that good. Thus, I was not asked to play <laughs> for in, in uh, college. Um, but just the way the game has evolved, the competitive nature. Um, just the way the stands were packed. And it was a 19,700 plus crowd at the American Airlines Center. And it was the most, I think they had the most folks attend in person a women's championship um, to kind of run throughout the whole series of games in the history of yeah. this. So it was Those a really ratings really- too. Yeah. yeah, great opportunity to um to be able to see them in person and also be able to root for some local folks. Well, there's a couple of players from here, including one from DeSoto. So, you know, I went to your website, the Dallas Morning News website the next day, and your paper, just like most news outlets the next day, were really talking about Kaylin Clark, Angel Reese, uh, the You Can't See Me move, and what, you know, what that all meant. And there was, you know, you all had a headline about it, a story about it. Both women have talked about this. Uh, so, you know, my question was, what, do you, what was your take on how that was covered by the media? Uh, do you think it's a double standard or there are double standards exist uh, regarding race, regarding gender? Uh, what, what was your takeaway from that? Absolutely. Um, a couple of things I'll say um, is that, you know, oftentimes, you know, I, I actually think we were late to the party to write anything on it, uh, to be honest. Um, and for the good reason of we I think we were focused on the game and the competition. Um, and then but there was a lot of coverage about just you know, Angel Reese's gesture and who did it first and should you or shouldn't, should you not being someone who, you know, played, um, you know, girls at the time, girls basketball, I ran track also um, briefly in, in uh, when I was in uh, school. Um, I do think there has been a double standard, you know, would we be talking about it if, it were two uh, male players for a college team. Um, the media, though, covers what's trending, right? They cover what people are talking about. And so I also felt like it would have been negligent not to have any mention of it, especially because it played out in our backyard. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. It leads into kind of my next question. You know, journalism today comes under a lot of heat from, from all sides, left, the right, you know, 
wherever uh, you know the, they're firing from. You know, I've heard the paper is simply doing it for the clicks. You know, they're reporting to appease corporate overlords, and uh, of course, um, everybody's um, least favorite. You know, they're fake news. So, I-, I wanted to ask you, how do you respond to this kind of criticism, and how do you help to ensure that you know journalistic integrity continues at a time when it's, I, I think, needed more than ever? Absolutely. I think it's a great question um, and one that I think many of us um, are wrestling with every day. So here's the thing. I don't think there's a corporate overlord that I have to worry about because, as I mentioned, we're family owned, you know, Um, and so we don't have the same pressures. And I I don't I think most mainstream media do not have those pressures. I've actually worked for larger companies. You know, USA Today Network had 200 plus news organizations. I I never felt that. Um, But I do think people tend to think that we have a bias or we're doing these stories for these reasons. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, what we want more than anything is to have as many people reading what we're writing because it's going to impact their lives. We talk a lot and I talk a lot since I've started here about indispensable journalism. That includes a lot of different types of journalism. It includes you know, our newly formed arts access team, which is covering arts from the, um, uh, the lens of equity and access. It includes this new public safety team. It includes government coverage. It includes education coverage, but it also includes what you're writing and talking about and what's trending in our community. And some days what's trending is a sign in California telling people not to move to Texas. And other days it might be a gesture that was made on a basketball court. So, you know, we allocate our resources um, appropriately, but we have far more people focused on accountability journalism, impactful journalism than we do um, for just something that people, and I'll say this, just because somebody's talking about something doesn't mean we always write it. I just think it depends on the context of what it is. And I think whether you wanted us to cover the story about Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark, there needed to be a conversation in my mind about, is there a double standard? Let's really look at this. And so when, when writing that story, I know we had a lot of that context in there. I mean, is this what we should be talking about? One of our columnists did a great job of pining about that. Patrice, um, I guess it's been man almost 15 years ago, I was introduced to an organization I know you're familiar with, the Pointer Institute and worked a lot with folks like Kelly McBride and Sewell Chan talking about like the future of journalism. This is 2009 where there was this great disruption between blogs and who has the right to be a reporter. And, you know, we had a sense-making experiment talking about making sense of it in the future. And here we are, you know, in 2023, and we're still having similar conversations about what is the future of journalism and newspapers and news organizations. So looking forward, what do you see for your industry, uh, you know, organizations like yours who are running this balance between, you know, the values of, of journalism and democracy and, you know, this need to really reach audiences? What do you see? I mean, so here's the thing. Why are we here if no one is reading what we're writing. Um, and so I'll say that. I mean, that that's first and foremost. And, you know, we do what we do. I mean, none of us got into the business to be wealthy people because we're journalists. Um, we got into this business because we are mission purpose and public fo- focus. And we want our communities to be richer and better by the journalism we produce. And so we wouldn't, I mean, we should close our doors if we're not doing that. So obviously audience has to be important. Why do people post on social media now? 
because they want eyeballs. They want people to like them and give them approval. So while it's a little bit separate and obviously we use social media to promote and to, to push our content. Um, I mean, I think it's the same concept. Um, nobody, Netflix, would there wouldn't be a Netflix if pe- they didn't have enough audience to pay for it. Um, and so the future of journalism really is how am I relevant? How am I going to actually use what I do, have people read what I do so that they understand that it's impacting their lives? Um, I never, as a reporter, wanted to write a story that no one was going to read. So, I mean, to me, the, 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 um, the same challenges we had back then, we still have today, just in a different form, because now we have different platforms that we're trying to garner attention. And also, we have a lot of people saying, I don't understand why you do what you do. And why is it that I need to have a mainstream media institution do this? Because I think we traditionally have done a poor job of explaining why what we do is unique, that you can't just be a blogger in a basement without a journalism background producing what we produce are two very different things. And we do have standards. We do have ethics. And look, we're human. So if we get it wrong, we need to acknowledge that and explain why and learn from it. Yeah, I love to hear that, Catrice, and really have enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to uh, let our listeners know where we can find you and where we can find more about the Dallas Morning News. Can you tell us where you are on social media? Yes, DallasNews.com. We're on every, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, um, everywhere you can find us, TikTok even. So please, please, if you don't, please give us a chance, subscribe or give us an email. We'd love to share some newsletters with you. Our newsletters are open to anyone and they give you a great sampling of the great content that we're producing all the time. Well, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to reading. We subscribe here. So we are part of the team and um, we look forward to seeing you out and about. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ron Trimble. We'll be right back right after this. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Ryan, that was fun, informative. Um, I think we were right on target for as hard as we've been trying to get Catrice Hardy on, and she did not disappoint. Yeah, it was was great to have her on. Um, You know, it's really, I think we're all lucky to have, uh, you know, a publication like the Morning News, um, you know, in our our city, you know, great to know so many members of their team. Uh, hopefully our friend Maria Halkius doesn't hang it up anytime soon. Um, so Maria, if you're listening, uh, don't retire. We love you. We need you. Yeah. We, um, I mean, anyway. it would do us no good to start naming names. Uh, if we started naming people like Sharon Grigsby or Leah Waters <laughs> or yeah. you know, Ryan Sanders or people that we work with, we, we, Miss someone, so let's just not name any names at all. Yes, let's stop it right there, Sean. But anyway, thank you to Catrice for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Now, Sean, something else you really got to enjoy was spring training, and you are back on the Rangers. Uh, I don't call it a bandwagon. I mean, you are all in. You got all the gear. You are loaded up. I think it's fair to say I'm. I'm. I'm in for sure. All in. Okay. I, probably once I go to a home game, then I can say I'm all in. But I do have the gear. Uh, 
we did Looks judge good. Williams and Jealous. I did travel to to surprise. I mean it's like every year, right? It's like, oh the Rangers are going to surprise. You see Evan Grant is in surprise. And so it has been honestly on my list of things I wanted to do really since the Rangers were in the Grapefruit League. And that has been a long time ago. Wow. And so um yeah. I, I you know, now that they, they're playing in the Cactus League, it's been uh, a, a, a goal of mine to get out to surprise and the stars aligned and we we went out to Phoenix for uh, the better part of a week back during spring break time and, and got to see a, a Rangers win, a 4-3 walk-off yeah. win that the Rangers had in surprise. It was awesome. And, and you like the new uh, speeded up rules, huh? The pitch clock. Oh, man, I think it's, it's, it was great to be able to get a head start on everyone because I, I kept telling you and everybody who listened to me, which I don't know how many people that was, but I told everybody, in, Carol at the front desk, I think I told everybody that how excited I was about the, the new pitch clock. Um, yeah. it, and it has taken, I think, 31 minutes off the average uh, Major League Baseball game this year, an average thirty of 31 minutes less time out there. Uh, and I think it's it, it's really interesting because baseball right now is trying to figure out what to do with beer sales. Um, you know, traditionally beer sales have stopped at the end at the end of the seventh inning, uh-huh. and because the games are going so fast, they've pushed it back. Some teams, including our home team here, the Rangers, have pushed beer sales back to the end of the eighth inning. But I saw, I believe it was a Phillies relief pitcher today questioning the wisdom of moving the, the the inning back to the eighth, where he was like, maybe we should be trying to move it to the sixth, give people more time to recover because now they're going to have sober less time up. to recover before they get yeah. to sober up, were his exact words, before they get on the road. So very interesting. But it's it's caused a whole lot of, of um, other consequences. I won't say unintended because they're just consequences of shorter game. But I think for me, it is a much better product on the field. I, I've, I've loved – I've watched more baseball already this year than I probably did the last two years combined. Yeah, that's great. They had, they had a big uh, walk-off the other night. It was fun to watch. So, um, let's go Rangers. If only they were a little closer, shot, then we could – You could uh, – man, wouldn't that be cut nice? Cut out and go to a game right now. Would but. that not – this would be absolutely perfect weather for more baseball no games kidding. today. No I, kidding. Let, let, let's make a, a pat. A deconstructing okay. Dallas pact. Okay. Yeah, this baseball season, we will go. We, I don't think any of the people who work here listen to this, so nobody here that works will even <laughs> know. We will go to a Rangers day game this baseball season. Okay, deal. I don't think arm. our wives are probably listening either, so we can just tell them where we at work all day. I bet, I bet our moms would want to go. They will fly. They might. Out, we might have, to, we might have to get them out of here and just take <laughs> the game. Nobody would know. It'd just be us, the four of us. It'd be a blast. No, but let's do it for sure. You're on. Cool. You're all on. right, man. Well, yeah. um, I, I think that this has been a successful return, and let's um, let's do a show in less than six months. You're on for that too, sir. Sounds like a plan. All right. This has been Deconstructing Dallas. We want to thank our our super guest, Catrice Hardy from the Dallas Morning News for joining us today. Thanks to Samaji Best for ha- helping us to secure that guest. Uh, we want to thank all of our teammates here at Allen Media for all the work they continue to do, especially our owners, Jennifer Pascal, Mary Woodleaf, 
thanks to you, our listeners, for however many of you there are. We appreciate you for joining us, coming back after our hiatus, after our break. But we do promise to serve up some more fresh content through the rest of this year. Um, so please remember to share this podcast with your friends, your family, your neighbors, whoever you can think of. We are available now on all of the podcasting platforms. So just check us out. Feel free to leave us a review. Give us five stars. That would be awesome as well. So from Allen Media, it's Ryan Tremble, Sean Williams. We'll be back. Adios. <laughs>